1: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
0: Uh, Today we have Tate Paul on with us. Um, I'm very excited to talk to her again. It's been a while because of COVID. Um, And so Tate was also a student um, here in the Faculty of Kinesiology at U of T, um, as many of us are in the chapter here at the Concussion Legacy Foundation U of T chapter. Um, Tate, thanks for being here with us today.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: It's great to have you. And um, uh, Tate has a lot of experience with concussions. Um, you have a, a mainly a soccer background, right, right Tate?
3: Yeah, so um, before I transferred to U of T Kin, I was actually in the States for two years on a scholarship. Um, so some of my, two of my concussions took place when I was um, an athlete in university, um, one during my time at U of T, um, and then also a major one before my university career.
0: Okay, yeah, and I'd be also very curious to know how the concussions were handled differently maybe. Um, Do you feel like there's a difference in culture around concussions in the US and here in Canada?
3: Um, I think just the overall experience that I had being an athlete compared to when I wasn't an athlete uh, at U of T was completely different just because we do have an athletic trainer Um, So anytime anybody hits their head or has any sort of signs or symptoms that are off, um, it's looked at. We do a lot of testing also during preseason. So we'll do a standard test. So kind of that sets your baseline um, so that if anything happens during your season, um, they can refer back to those numbers and those times and all of that. And then have you retake it just to see, Um, what that, like the differences in what you're looking at. Um, And also just, um, it's kind of, you have somebody else to help you out. Whereas when you're on your own and you're doing it on your own, you don't really have that help. It's kind of like you're figuring it out for yourself. Um, But also I was was lucky enough to have taken the concussion course at U of T uh, with Professor Hutchison. and that was before I actually got my last concussion. So that experience was completely different from when I was in the States because I actually had a lot more knowledge on sort of what I should be doing, um, kind of what's going on, and sort of how to reintegrate myself back into um, like the student life.
0: That's that's amazing. Yeah, they should really honestly... Uh, give athletes some type of training course or some type of education so that they know what what a concussion entails if you're going to be on like an elite team because you were from what I understand in in Maine I mean if you're on a scholarship there it's like pretty intense right you guys were probably playing soccer for hours each day right
3: yeah so um kind of my like weekly schedule would be um like five practices one game and then one off day Um, And in terms of just having a concussion, it's one of those invisible injuries, right? Nobody really can see what's going on. Um, So it's kind of, you really have to rely on your teammates. You have to rely on your coaches. You have to rely on, I guess, like the staff to basically be kind of like a good support system because it's not easy. You're juggling, not being able to play. You're trying to see when you can get back into playing or practicing, you also have to juggle school on top of that. Um, And thankfully, because I was on like the varsity team, my professors, it was a smaller school than U of T. So my professors knew who I was and they kind of made things easier in terms of if I had to miss an exam or I needed maybe like an extension on one paper or something like that, they made it a lot easier. Um, But yeah, it's just kind of one of those things that it's hard because nobody can see your injury So they're wondering, like, how you're doing, like, how you're progressing, all of that kind of stuff. But also, it's one of those things that you might want to kind of hide from your person, like, from the, like, assistant coach or your coach or the staffing and all of that kind of stuff. Because you don't want to miss out on playing soccer because your season is only so long. So I, there was one time where I got um, punched in the side of the head on accident by my goalie. Um, And at halftime I was like, oh, like my head's really hurting, all of that kind of stuff. But I kind of like bottled it up because I knew what was going to happen if I had told my coach or um, the assistant coach or the helper um, like what was going on and what was gonna happen. And I knew I was gonna miss out on games. I knew I was gonna miss out on practices and it was gonna be a whole ordeal but it came down to basically not being able to practice. I couldn't, like my head was hurting, it was throbbing, all of that kind of stuff. So it was just better for me to be honest and go through that whole process than to kind of keep making it worse and making it worse and all of that. Yeah. And
0: I can only imagine that if you're on scholarship, you feel an added pressure compared to some of your American teammates, right? Because your whole purpose of you know your be your the fact that you got to be there was so that you can play so if you can't play then um yeah i guess like can you speak to that was that difficult did that add pressure
3: yeah it was definitely one of those things where i was playing a lot so when it happened i knew that one i was gonna lose my spot on the starting lineup which was fine but it was more so like I felt like I didn't want to let my team down, especially during like the time of the season it was. We were still like playing league games. We we're trying to get into the playoffs and all of that. So it's kind of like, I don't know, you it's um, you kind of feel like you're not really playing your part, like you're part of a team. And that's the thing, like there's so many girls on the team and you're a role player. And you're like, I'm just stuck on the sidelines watching. Um, And I kind of wish like I could do something, but there's really no sort of like integration for me, like into practices and that sort of thing for a very long time. So it was kind of hard to, you know, stay present in the team when you weren't actually able to like participate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I can imagine that be, uh, be really difficult. And so do you want to maybe talk us through e- each of your concussions? Like just to give us a little short summary of how it happened.
3: Yeah. So, um, the first concussion that I ever had was, I would say my worst one. Um, I was probably about 15 or 16 years old. And at the time, uh, before I had, uh, basically gone away for school uh, to play soccer in the States, I was doing snowboarding. So I used to do uh, snowboard cross. Um, and so I trained every single weekend and I basically was cutting through trees to be able to get to the chalet, um, just to go get something to drink and go to the bathroom. And I didn't see that there was a tree underneath the snow i was on my own and i hit the tree i fell forward and hit my head off of another tree i ended up waking up like face down in the snow Um, i'm not sure exactly how long i was unconscious for um, but all i remember was just um, meeting up with my team again and just telling my coach about how like my head was hurting and everything and then i basically trained for the rest of the day I had to actually go home back to Whitby um, that night because I was training up in the Blue Mountains near Collingwood. Um, so on the car ride home, every, I think ten minutes, I had to stop to like throw up because just my head was throbbing. I like I was so nauseous. And I remember like the night vividly because I was curled up in like a fetal position on the ground in my mom's bathroom. I couldn't have any noise. I couldn't have any light. And I was basically there all night long. Um, And then I remember I was sensitive to light and noises for probably two weeks, I think. Um. But it was hard because I didn't know anything about concussions. My mom didn't know anything about concussions. I didn't go see a specialist because I didn't even know that existed. Um, so basically, I just kind of tried to stay away from any sort of blue light, like my laptop, my phone. Um, but I was still in high school. So I was kind of trying to stay ahead of that and not fall behind. Um, so that was the first one. Um when I was in the States, I got punched in the side of the head by my goalie, um, which I'm not sure if that was the worst one, but I did have, have concussion symptoms. Um, it was just, I kind of played it off. Like I didn't have one until I went to head the ball in one of my games and my vision went black. Um, so I kind of, um, Half halftime told the athletic trainer and then that was it and then I was put to the side um and then the one when I was a like when I was at U of T I got in a car accident and my head um we were like hit on the side and my head basically bounced off of the glass like the windshield or sorry not the windshield the window um and that's how I got that one and the concussion symptoms were pretty mild. I don't remember being as nauseous as I was at the first one, Um, but it seemed like every concussion that I've had, the symptoms stay for a longer period of time, and it takes just overall a longer period to kind of start to feel better.
0: Wow, no, especially that, I mean, they all sound horrible, but that first story is like, I'm I, I don't have not heard like many people have such an intense um like first concussion story that sounds really rough. Um, and so, so what usually your symptoms when you get concussed are sensitivity to light and nausea, like those are are those the main ones for you?
3: Yeah, I think, um well, on top of like a blistering headache, like my I feel like my head is like being squeezed, and like sometimes it's like pounding. Um, but other than that, yeah, more like sensitivity to light, sound for, for like the initial, I would say like maybe four, 48 hours to like a couple of days. Um, and then like slowly it gets better and better. Um, but yeah, I would say overall that would be it.
0: Have you gone undergone any type of like therapies or anything to try to um, like physio or stuff like that to like help some of your symptoms or have you not needed that
3: um I have gotten um like I have gone to um like registered massage therapist um more for like neck pain and shoulder pain and stuff like that um that may have been caused by like the incident um but in terms of anything Um, like physio or like acupuncture, stuff like that, or like any sort of concussion specialist. I haven't tried that. Um, Just kind of at the time when it happened. So when I was a lot younger, I didn't really know much about concussions. Um, When I was in the States playing soccer, it kind of came down to um, my benefits, like health benefits. Um, So I think the health benefits that I had, like the health insurance that I had was a uh, $3,000 deductible. Um, so that was kind of a, you know, deterring thing. Um, yeah, it was kind of like I put my my health into the, uh, like the athletic trainer's hands, and I didn't really end up doing anything. Um, and then my last one, I just got massage therapy for it.
0: So Tate, would you say that you still have persistent symptoms like post-concussion syndrome or something of that nature? Or is it like unless you hit your head, you're fairly asymptomatic in daily life?
3: Um, I think uh, for like the most part in terms of like persistent symptoms from all of them, um, I think like the most common I would say would be like the concentration and memory The sleep disturbances and like the fatigue, but I'm not exactly sure if I would put that under like post concussion syndrome, just because I haven't really like looked far into it and kind of ruled out other things that might be like causing these just because they are pretty common um, symptoms that could like correlate with other things. Um, But yeah, those would probably like be the most common symptoms that I would um, experience.
0: Yeah, and I, I totally get what you mean because a lot of people do say that they don't know if their symptoms are from concussions or from something else because like the the symptoms of concussions are like also the symptoms for so many different other conditions or even just like I haven't had enough coffee today or something really um, you know, like benign like that. Um so I completely get that. So Another thing that I was wondering was at U of T, were you still able to get some support from professors and everything? I know you did in Maine, but.
3: Yeah. So I think, I think U of T um, was probably like the most challenging experience that I've had um, in terms of being concussed. And I know um, like of other people who have had similar experiences. And I think it just comes down to just the size of the school, um, it's just a lot, um, like it's just a big, like a long process in order to like make your life a little bit easier while you're trying to recover. Um, so yeah, when it comes down to like U of T, everything is uh, you have to fill out paperwork. You can't really just contact a professor and say, "Hey, do you think I could write your exam next week?" It's kind of like you have to file like a de- like a deferral paper. You have to explain everything. You have to provide um, the proper documentation and everything. Um, And then you have to wait like the two week period and then everything has to get rescheduled. So it ends up, although you are getting more time, there's a lot of time that's being spent trying to figure everything out and trying to juggle everything than actually getting to recover. Um, So I think that just made it a lot harder because you have to do everything, you know what I mean? Like, you can't really rely on somebody else to, like, portray what you're going through to your, like, professors and stuff like that, whereas I did have help from, like, my athletic trainers, and when I was communicating to my other professors at my other university, it was just me and them, and it wasn't like I had to go through the uh, registrar's office or anything like that, Um, and then it also came down to the fact that I was commuting four hours a day from Whitby to get to downtown just to go to classes. So that became a lot. And yeah, it was just a lot to juggle everything and get everything figured out while also trying to stay off my computer, stay off my phone, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I totally get that because I've seen others go through that um, process, like getting the uh, accessibility services and it's like all on the computer. There's really long forms and everything. So it's you're right. It's like counterproductive to what a concussed person should actually be doing. Right.
3: Yeah. So it's funny you bring that up because I actually um, I I went to my uh, family physician and I brought all of the accessibility papers to him. It was I think it was like like something crazy like a 12 pages or something um and we went through all of it and i didn't actually end up um i didn't actually end up uh like submitting them because uh they said that they wouldn't be able to see me for i think like it was like another six weeks or something like that so basically the accessibility services like didn't really help me at all they basically said like oh wait six weeks and then we can see you and then we can start helping you but by that time like I would have already wanted to be back in school and attending classes and doing all of that sort of thing so I didn't end up using them but it would have been nice to have um but in terms of just like moving things around and juggling everything I had to do that all on my own which uh turned out to be a lot Depending because like when I was doing it, it was a very busy time of the semester. Um, so things got very stressful. Um yeah, it was very counterintuitive, I think.
0: Yeah, no, I get that. We actually at the at the U of T chapter, we've created something called the Concussion Accessibility Uh Peer Support Program where a person who's trying to get accommodations can contact us and be set up with a peer who can like you know, help them with um, like knowing which forms they have to fill in and stuff like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean,
0: at the we still can't fill it in for them, of course, because yeah. they, you know, like so. At the same time, it can still I think aggravate people's symptoms. So that's too bad, that that's the um, that that's the way it is. um But another thing I wanted to ask you was if you could speak to like the support you got from family and friends during your concussions, because a lot of time people don't get it and are you know, like not able to empathize with it in the same way as they could with a different injury. So have you experienced that or?
3: Yeah, I think, um, unfortunately, it really hasn't been like that positive, which is unfortunate. Um, I think it really, you really need to have a support system that gets it and that understands it. And that sometimes that even takes them having experienced it in the past to understand it. Um, like I know right now, um, actually two of my cousins just got concussions and they're asking me and they're like coming to me for advice and like telling me how they feel and all of that kind of stuff. And it's nice that I have been there and I've been in that position and I know what it's like and I know how like I would have liked support, And it's just like it comes back to the fact that you can't see it, right? You can see somebody on crutches or you can see somebody with a knee brace on and you can sympathize with them because you can physically see the struggle. But when I'm sitting at home trying to do work and I'm having problems concentrating or I'm taking like three days longer than I normally would to write a paper because like I'm struggling, it's hard for people to really understand. Like they can say like, oh, like it'll get better. Oh, it'll get better. But that's like, that's really all they can do, right? So it's kind of like having a support system that knows what it's like and also steps that you can take to get better. And I wish I had known that before, like when I learned in this class that you should only be resting for like 24 to 48 hours depending on the severity, but in most cases, like those two days of rest is all you need and like you really need to start getting up and getting active and getting moving and how it like important and beneficial like just su- like submaximal exercise is not only for your symptoms but also just like your mental health and like you know getting up and doing things can really help with like serotonin and you know reduce any sort of like mental health disorders that may be caused because you're not able to do these things and because you're not able to you know socialize like you used to be or participate with everybody that you used to participate with so it would be nice to have people who like really understood and like somebody to go to
0: yeah no that makes a lot of sense So you're definitely um i think speaking speaking to an experience that so many people who have been concussed have like i think Uh, like we still have a long ways to go in terms of like social support and people understanding um, what you're going through. So if if you had like one like lasting statement, maybe for for listeners who might be going through um, a concussion, like lasting words of advice, do you have anything that you would want to tell them?
3: Um, I think um, you have to be like your biggest advocate. So you can't tell somebody you're going through this and hope that other people are going to help you out with this sort of thing like you have to be able to you know research like or go for support or something like that on like what you should do next and also just like if you feel like something's off like look more into it don't kind of just push it to the side because even the simplest little things can actually give you a concussion Um, so it's not one of those things that you kind of want to just push on and push on you kind of have to you know read your body do kind of research, reach out to people, reach out for support and kind of do all that you can do because something like this, if you don't handle it properly, it can, you know, you can have persistent symptoms. And like, that's the last thing that you would want. That's a great message Tate. Yeah. I
0: couldn't have, couldn't have said it better myself. That's so true. Um, especially the self-advocacy as well as, um, just even little things. I mean, in the short term, it may be inconvenient to deal with it, but if that's going to, save you from symptoms for weeks and you know in some cases years to come then it's definitely worth it so yeah so that's that's great
3: and um, also like sorry and no also like one thing is that everybody always thinks that like a like a concussion means that you just have to go and sit in your room in the dark with nothing going on for as long as you like you feel better but you need to you know as much as you think that it wouldn't be good for you like you have to get going and get up and start like slowly moving into things like it doesn't have to be as like scary and as daunting of an experience as a lot of people think it is if that makes sense
0: no it totally makes sense yeah everyone ever we've talked about this on some of the podcasts before as well that i mean the the earlier research makes people think as though they need to be in a dark room for like literally two weeks or something yeah. which is like sensory deprivation like that I mean that's brutal right so um I'm so happy to hear that there's more research coming out that submaximal exercise can be so helpful like, is that something that you used yourself or no you said since the Hutchinson's class that's right
3: yeah so I wish I had known about it um but yeah I I used I used it to a degree, um, after I had, um, like I I had taken his class. Um, but yeah, like I've always tried to, um, not kind of just hunker down and stay in a black room just because life doesn't really like always let you do that. Like staying in a room in the dark with nothing going on and no phone and no laptop to do any sort of work. Like it's, it's doesn't like, I can't do that. Um, so I have tried to like go out for walks and that sort of thing. So just keeping up with like the daily activities, like walking my dog, um, I think really helped me and also just like feeling out my body and seeing like what I can and cannot do, but also just, you know, getting up and doing things really helped me.
0: That is, that's so great to hear. And, um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you when I hear about people that were like, yeah, I spent like two, three weeks in a dark room. I, I so like my heart goes out to them it just sounds so rough yeah yeah no like i mean like walks and i mean obviously to listeners please consult like with a medical professional but i mean i think many of them now will say that going on um like light walks is super helpful for your recovery yeah definitely um but yeah tate thank you so much for um for talking to us i i um i feel bad for you that you had to get um go through so many concussions especially that first one that story is still like staying with me that sounds terrifying to be like in the snow like you know by yourself and everything but um but thank you so much I'm happy to hear that you're doing good and um yeah thanks again for joining us
3: no worries thank you for having me
0: This program is sponsored by HeadCheck Health, who bridges the gap in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Trek Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada, who rely on HeadCheck to improve communication and optimize care. Visit HeadCheckHealth.com for more.
1: The music at the the beginning beginning of this podcast podcast
2: is by bensound.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more